There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. There's not a lot of places where we're getting information these days. You know, I went up to uh, Martin County last night to speak in front of a Martin County Republican Club. And there's such a a hunger in people to just be validated that they're not crazy, that this stuff is really awful and that it's not hopeless and that they've really got to tune out a lot of the stuff that they're hearing. I'll give you a perfect example. And by the way, it was a pleasure uh, being with this particular group last night. However, there must have been like uh, ringers in the audience because today I got two requests from two other groups that are also far away <laughs> from where I live. And, I, you know, I just, I can never say no um, because I get it. You know, I depend on information. You depend on information. I provide information. And people, people are losing hope. I mean, I'm speaking next week in uh, Del Rey. And the reason I'm speaking is because one of the... Um, one of the leaders of that group said, everybody's so demoralized. I don't know what to do. I can't lift their spirits. They're just, you know, it's the uh, Judeo-Christian Republican Club. And they're just demoralized. How can you watch the stuff that's going on and not feel demoralized? It's very difficult. And many of them say, so we listen to your show, and that gives us like a little, uh, you know, a little peace. And I think Dan Bongino pretty much does the same for people. And I get it. I totally get it. But as soon as I got there last night, a person who I really like very much, um, who or organizes these events and, and had invited me, and, and she's always inviting me, and, you know, she understands that it's far from me. She'll, like, offer to have somebody come pick me up. I mean, you know, she'll go way out of her way. Um, we'll give you dinner. We'll do that. Yeah, and, and, and I really enjoy the group, so it's not like you have to coerce me that much. But I get there, and she says, I was listening to your show today, and you said something, I can't find it anywhere on the internet. And so people are saying to me, oh, that's not true. And it's, you know, it's more of this uh, right-wing conspiracy stuff. And I said, first and foremost, I very, very have been, very seldom have been fooled by news stories. And if I am, I know within 24 hours and I make a complete and total apology and reversal, unlike the New York Times. I said, but I'm really confident that that information that I was giving out at three o'clock yesterday afternoon w had been validated in a number of other sources. I wake up this morning, because I don't really know what happened last night, because by the time I got home from Stewart, like all I was capable of was uh, basically drinking a cup of tea and going to bed. So I really didn't do much news gathering or news checking and I went to bed. But this morning I woke up and that story that I told at three o'clock yesterday afternoon, 
about journalistic integrity being very questionable when we saw these embedded journalists with Hamas that were right there on October 7th and just like filmed the atrocities. And I said, this is problematic. These were AP photojournalists, Reuters photojournalists. You know, how did that happen? It reminded me of, you know, all the CNN reporters that were gathered outside of Roger Stone's house as though they were tipped off. Well, they were tipped off. And guess what? These so-called photojournalists were clearly on the side of Hamas. They were posting things on their personal uh, X feeds and uh, Instagrams and things like that, proclaiming Allah Akbar, complimenting the terrorists. One went so far as to show an image of a helmet and the identification of an IDF soldier they had killed. Now, I'm telling you right now, this is something that cannot be tolerated. And no, I wasn't making that up. Those journalists joined the massacre. And Israel better respond. You know, when Nicole Meyer from the AP tells, uh, you know, the Jerusalem Post last night, well, we had no advanced knowledge of the October 7th attack. Really? So you just happened to send photojournalists with cameras blazing into the site of the worst massacre against Jews in 80 years? Eh, I find that hard to believe. As a matter of fact, nobody believes that. So now comes accountability, but you're not going to get it from the mainstream media because they're in. They don't care. They're okay with atrocities against Jews, whether you like to hear me say that or not. The CNN logo means nothing. Honest reporting uh, told us the truth in the last couple of days regarding those journalists. And when I, you know, it's interesting that the journalists didn't come out with that story until about 4.30 yesterday. Meanwhile, I had told you that in the three o'clock hour. I got plenty of witnesses. Everybody was listening to the show as a witness. So I had the story before even the Honest Reporting published the investigative report. And I will never reveal my sources But even my best sources, I fact check and double check and there have to be confirmation. You know, know, um, one of the people who taught me how important that was, was the former news director over there on that very station, Karen Curtis, who said, we must have two verifications of every story or we're not going on with them, Joyce. It's just, we're not gonna do it. Emotions are high and this wasn't even with emotions as high as they are today. And I embraced that because I'd never been a news person per se. I'm an opinion person. So my opinions don't have to be vetted. You know, they are what they are. Other people's opinions don't have to be vetted and don't have to be believed. But when I report things, which is what I was doing yesterday, I need to know that not only the journalist or the, or the website where I got that information from, but the source was so credible that they provided me with more sources. So when I got the source yesterday at about 11.30 yesterday morning, when that information was given to me, 
I said to my source, you need to provide me with two backups because that's a heck of a story. You're accusing American news agencies and newspapers of colluding with terrorists. And I'm not going on the air with that unless you can tell me for sure that that's been validated. And they sent me photographic evidence of those journalists. And, you know, I, my eyes didn't lie. And so, in fact, I went ahead and reported that in the three o'clock hour yesterday. And by this morning, you can't even believe where it was. It was everywhere except uh, pretty much in the mainstream. (laughs) Um, Think about this for a second. Honest Reporting happens to be an organization that their whole purpose is to expose the bias against Israel in the foreign uh, press, whether it's newspapers or cable news or regular news. And, and it's a very, very strong um, examination and investigation that they do because how do you, how do you, you don't want to believe it, right? I don't want to believe that the AP and Reuters actually pay photojournalists who are rooting against democracies, rooting against our allies and really rooting against us. Because those same photojournalists, reporters, whatever you want to call them, they were yelling Alu Akbar and bring down Western civilization is the goal. And destroying Israel was a very obvious goal. From the river to the sea, the journalists were posting that. You know, I don't care what Rashida Tlaib says, I know what that means, so do you. And I thought so did CNN and so did the New York Times, but apparently not, not so much or they're willing to overlook it. So you have this uh, one reporter, Hassan Aslaya. He's an AP freelancer. He also works for CNN. And on October 7th, he infiltrated into Israel alongside of the terrorists, took photos of a burning Israeli tank, and captured infiltrators entering Kibbutz Kifar Aza. And his name appears right on the AP credits from October 7th. So they're not running from him. And apparently they never questioned him as to how he just so happened to be there. Among other things, it begs the question of whether the photographer knew in advance that this massacre was going to take place. Because otherwise, how'd they get there so quick? Did Hamas invite them? Did Hamas allow them to be there? Did these news reporters have approval to enter Israel alongside the terrorists? And did the photographers tell their editors that they were doing that? You know, I'm trying to figure out what is an editor going to say if a news reporter that they hire in a foreign country as a freelancer and primarily got to hire people who speak the language, people who are from that part of the country, part of the world, So we know that they're working with people like that. But did those photographers tell their editors back in the States, back in England, that we're going to be going in with the terrorists as they carry out attacks against the Israelis? Because I'm very concerned about this. The Foreign Press Association is very concerned that Israeli government statements can encourage incitement against journalists documenting the war. Okay, so now they're in full denial mode. 
they have investigated. They're going to do the investigations. They don't want anybody else examining this. But according already to the investigation, the photographers documented up close the kidnapping of civilians and soldiers, an attack on a tank, and the lynching of an IDF soldier. In addition to that, a CNN freelance journalist broadcast images of the burning tank and accompanied the terrorists into the kibbutz. I don't know about the rest of you, but that, in my mind, makes them accomplices in crimes against humanity. That is so contrary to professional ethics. I mean, overnight, the bureau chiefs of Reuters, of, of uh, the AP, had to start talking to the photo photographers and journalists that they hire to get some clarification on this. And if you think I'm going to trust them to tell us who knew what and when, you could forget about that. The communications minister in Israel, Shlomo Kari, Dr. Kari, he contacted CNN, Reuters, the New York Times, and the AP yesterday in light of the reporting saying, hey, 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 yo, you guys, the gravity of this, we want a swift and thorough response. It's now a time for the individuals, the journalists, the institutions, the unions, the organizations all around the world to make a very clear choice. Either you stand on the side of life and good or on the side of depraved terrorism and inhumanity and evil. So, of course, so far, Reuters has denied that they knew anything, any suggestion that they had prior knowledge, they reject. They said that we're aware of a report by honest reporting and accusations made against two freelance photographers who contributed to Reuters' coverage of the October uh, attack. We categorically deny that we had prior knowledge of the attack or that we embedded journalists with Hamas on October 7th. Meanwhile, they took these photographs from these two Gaza-based freelance guys who were at the border on the morning of, morning of October 7th, and they had never had a prior relationship with these two guys. How about that? The photographs that were published by Reuters were taken two hours after Hamas fired rockets across southern Israel and more than 45 minutes after Israel said gunmen had crossed the border. They should not have been on the ground in those locations. They were not authorized to be on the ground. Certainly Hamas would not have wanted them to be on the ground unless they were, shall we say, friendly. This is outrageous, but this is where we are. We now have so-called journalists that take sides. And they are firmly on the side of the terrorists all around this country, all around great, uh, Europe, all around the Middle East for sure. So the very mediums that you always used to put your nose up at, like uh, talk radio and uh, alternative medias, we're breaking all the stories because we have to be unafraid. I'm not going to stand for this. You know, I can't be part of an industry that literally would think it was ethical to accompany terrorists into the mass slaughter of civilians. Mm, that's a bridge too far for me. 
Anyway, don't forget to download our app. Then you would have known this story uh, just right after I knew it, which was before anybody else knew it. And uh, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. I'm watching very carefully, and so are others. And what we're seeing is pretty despicable, pretty awful. And we better correct it. Um, and, and if we don't correct it, it's the end of the world as you know it. All right, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, of course, I uh, did not watch the debate last night. Not only did I not watch the debate last night, but I didn't look for any outtakes. What little reporting I saw on it made my stomach turn. You know, the idea that the the, the headline last night was uh, arguing between Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. By the way, um, I believe they're both American... Well, what's the right term? Americans of Indian descent. Is that the right way to say it? I don't even know anymore. What are we allowed to say? I think they're Indian Americans. No, 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 can't say that. I don't know what they are, but they're both like have heritage from that part of the world. But they are absolutely Americans, right? And the two of them apparently got into some kind of, you know, pee-pee match. I find that totally uninteresting. I really do. This is what people want to talk about today? You know, people want to talk about five guys and gal standing up on a stage and basically discussing what they would do differently than Joe Biden. How about like everything? How about we understand that Joe Biden is possibly the worst president to ever live? And how about also to appreciate the fact that not one of those people standing on that stage, no matter how many polls you show me, no matter how much people you know, beat their chest and, and tell me like, oh, abortion, oh, Trump. And yeah. There's only one hope to save this country right now. Not one and a half, not two, one hope. 45 squared is 2025. If we're unable to bring back Donald Trump, uh, things are going to get really ugly. And when I have to listen to the insanity of the media, and in particular of the Democrat politicians telling me, oh, but he's going to be hell-bent on revenge. This will be the revenge presidency. If he gets elected, he's going to go after his political enemies. You mean like his political enemies went after him? I don't think so. I'm sure the temptation will be there, but he's going to have his hands pretty full trying to resolve all the conflicts around the world, trying to keep Americans safe and shut down this open, porous border where we're all last night, everybody was talking about like, well, do you think there's going to be an attack here? Yeah, yeah, I think there is. I think the leader of Hezbollah pretty clearly said, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you know, drop everything and attack. <laughs> That's all. So if anybody thinks for one moment 
that they have not, that, that cells have not been formed from people who penetrated our southern border? Gosh, you're dumb. You know, I, I'm sorry, but there's no other word for you. And you're taking up oxygen for some of us who need it. So, look, you're starting to see endorsements come in. I know that, uh, I think it was last night, Governor Huckabee Sanders, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she endorsed the president and introduced him in Hialeah. By the way, to crowds that had gathered overnight to get online to see Donald Trump, okay? Cuban-Americans in particular, you don't pick Hialeah unless that's part of the audience you're trying to get. Cuban-Americans who were rooting and cheering People who understand what it's like to live under communism, what it's like to live under authoritarian rulers. These people are really disturbed when they see what's going on in this country, when they see the former president not even being referred to as President Trump. You know, they're still calling uh, President Carter, President Obama, President Bush. You know, everybody still gets that honor until they die, but not Trump. Letitia James refers to him as Mr. Trump, right? Mr. Trump, the same Mr. Trump that she banked her entire career on and said, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. He, his administration is too this and too pale, too male and too pale. That is like the height of bigotry. Too male and too pale? Can you imagine if, if somebody got up and said, well, you know, the Obama administration is... Uh, too clown and too brown? I mean, what is that? Why do we tolerate that kind of language at the highest levels? And so they, they censured Rashida Tlaib. But there were Jews in the House who voted to not censure her, like Jerry Nadler. What is wrong with you? I love when people say to me, well, you don't want to silence speech. You don't want to... Um, censor even un unpopular speech. No, 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 wait a second. You know, let me ask you a question. If there was someone in Congress who got up and said, you know, I understand why, you know, Southern, I don't know, farmers are angry and want to shoot black people and we should be more understanding of that. Do you think for a moment that anyone would say, oh, well, that's okay, it's free speech? No. It's incitement to the worst, to the lowest common denominator. But apparently, if you say it about Jews, like, Jews will defend you. How could that even, it's so far from my ability to understand, it really is. It wasn't just Jerry Nadler either. I wish, and at least if it had just been that that little roly-poly doofus, I could have maybe not felt as bad, but it wasn't just Jerry Nadler. There was another one who stood up against the censure, Jamie Raskin. You know, what's wrong with these people? And what do we do? Because my friend Alan Bergstein said yesterday, re realize we're now well into Holocaust uh, redux. You know, this is the revisiting of a Holocaust. And it's simultaneously happening 
all over the world. It's not just in Germany this time. It's everywhere. It's on college campuses. It's in the streets of New York. It's at the Statue of Liberty. You better wake up. The hatred for Jews by radical Islam or by, uh, you know, a, a, an unhealthy number of Muslims is over, I don't know, it's millennials old, thousands of years old. It's never gone away. It's been there since the birth of Islam. It's a large part of the Quran. And if you don't think they're dangerous and you don't think it's Nazi-like, only worse, they're everywhere. The Nazis were only in Germany. This is worldwide. And this is going to end up turning into an effort to exterminate an entire group of people. And apparently, when you call for that extermination, you don't need to be censured in the House of Representatives. You better all wake up. I told the people last night, you know, this, we ain't playing anymore. The fate of the world is really manifest. Yesterday, we're shooting at the enemy. We, the United States, they're going after our troops now. Why? Because they are unafraid. Because they have seen the weakness of this administration. They've seen the weakness of the people of this country. We look ridiculous. Can you imagine? Do you think that young people in these uh, Muslim countries or even in, in, uh, in China, do you think they could, especially in China, do you think in Russia they can get out and protest on behalf of people trying to destroy their government? I don't think so. And, and the fact that people want to turn away and not look at this, I'm not going to make it go away. You better wake up. And if you won't wake up, then just shut up and get out of the way of those who are waking up. And I don't mean we're woke. We're just awake. All right, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. You know, this country has descended into pathetic. You know, looking today at this, you know, the big news from last night, besides the fact that Nikki Haley referred to Vivek Ramaswamy as scum, which by the way, he walked into, you don't bring up her daughter, but hey, she brought up the whole uh, X or whatever it is, TikTok thing. So she kind of uh, enabled him to do that. He uh, learned a hard lesson not to do that. But I had said earlier in the show, they both come from, Amer you know, they're both American of Indian X of, uh, Indian ancestry. And so my friend said, uh, he sent me a thing. He goes, by the way, Ramaswamy's a Brahmin and Nikki's a Sikh. Okay. Um, you know, but I think both are still, um, in terms of heritage, have Indian ancestry. And so do I really want to spend any time today discussing their little pee-pee uh, -pee match? No. Do you want to talk about Tim Scott's girlfriend? I mean, the... <laughs> You know, I remember when it was Charlie Crist that we used to do all this about. Force the guy to marry somebody. You know, for the, the very people who tell you that 
you know, there's nothing, you know, to be mentioned about someone being gay. It's not a big deal. Are the same people are always going, why has Lindsey Graham not got a, a wife? And why, why does Tim Scott never seem to be with a girlfriend? So Tim Scott shows up last night in Miami with a pretty nice looking, you know, blonde. She looks like the girl from Sex in the City, whose name I can't tell you, the one that's married to Matthew Broderick, whoever that is. Um, the one that I don't think is all that beautiful, but everybody does. Um, so the girlfriend looks like that. And, and immediately, that's all I saw on X this morning was, oh, the chemistry between them is like the chemistry between a gay man and a lesbian. And I'm like, really? That's what you got out of the, the five other contenders for the Republican nomination was the the comments between Nikki Haley and, and Vivek Ramaswamy, the girlfriend of Tim Scott, you barely heard anything said about Governor DeSantis. I mean, he, he, he was the first one to finally go after Donald Trump a little bit. Well, you better do something, Ron, because, uh, boy, what a disaster this has been for our governor. A great governor. A good man. Who... Who told him to do this? They should be court-martialed, you know, ruin such a great potential future president's life the way they did. But he had a little fire, apparently. People said he went after Donald Trump. Okay, kind of hard to go after Donald Trump when you are like Donald Trump Jr., but okay, I get it, I get it. And then I did not hear a single word about Krispy Kreme. Not a word. Although last night somebody did tell me a story about Chris Christie, which was pretty hilarious. I, I refrained from laughing out loud last night at uh, the fish place where we were holding this uh, event. Um, but I got in the car and I got literally hysterical thinking about how Chris Christie, you know, got lost getting off the stage at an event and nobody wanted to help him. You know, it's like, I, I get that. And then that he had leaned over and he was like, you know, the, the bad photograph of the, the plumber who comes to your house and he's like, you know, 100 pounds overweight. And every time he leans over, you see his butt crack, right? And they would say, this guy was telling me that's all you could see of Chris Christie that night. And he couldn't find his way off the stage and he went the wrong direction and then got stuck. I mean, I laughed out loud on the car ride home. But I didn't think I'm going to go in and make a show out of it or make a show out of, uh, you know, the debate at all. The people I was with last night couldn't wait. Well, they, they didn't want me to finish, but their whole purpose for my windup was so that they could watch the rally from uh, Hialeah, Donald Trump's rally. They were not going to be turning on the debate. I, to this moment, I don't know anybody who watched the debate. Nobody. One friend. I have one friend who, who claims she watched it, but I think she probably just like watched it out of the corner of her eye and was uh, reading or playing with her cat because why? Why would you watch that? The world is on fire. Do I really need to know what Nikki Haley thinks about that? I'm sure she's outraged. So am I. You know, okay. I'm not running for the presidency though, and she is. And just... To me, 
we've so lost our way. When you look at what's going on, all this chaos, why do you think there's all this chaos all over the world? Because the leader of the free world, which has always, in my lifetime anyway, I mean, it wasn't always so, but in my lifetime has always been the United States of America. We're the good guys. We wear the white hat. We come rushing in to save everybody. You got an earthquake? We'll be right there. Israel will be with us too. You have a war that's unjust. We're, you're our ally. We'll be right there. And now these despots and tyrannical morons and, and, and radical moolahs and everybody else looks over the pond, sees Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. She is still the vice president, isn't she? Right? You can't just dispense with her. But So they look over the pond, they see that administration, they look at our Congress, and they realize that we actually have congresspersons who are defending terrorists and condemning our ally, Israel, and they're thinking, if not now, when? You know, if you've got evil intentions, if you're China and you want Taiwan, now would seem to be a pretty propitious time because if Donald Trump gets reelected, and I believe he will, that game is over. If you're Vladimir Putin, you knew you had this window of opportunity to invade Ukraine, so you did it because you weren't afraid. If you're any of these wicked, evil monsters in Iran, in Yemen, in Syria, Bashar al-Assad's just killing his people. Not afraid. None of them are afraid. Do I think it's our role to have people afraid of us? Bad guys need to be afraid of us. And in the past, they have been afraid of us. But no more. And so you see this chaos all over the world. We're no longer the beacon of freedom. We're no longer uh, able to guarantee peace through strength. We're not even a sovereign nation anymore. We don't even have borders. So all the foreign adversaries, all the wicked, bad people who used to think twice before they would do something as barbaric as what we saw on October 7th, uh, they don't think twice anymore. Because if you don't have strong American leaders on the world stage, you don't have peace and you don't have stability. Instead, when you have a, a oatmeal brain, a weak president like Joe Biden, you have the exact opposite. So it is, it's important. We got to turn, turn this gigantic vessel around because it's not just the safety and the security of the American people, although that for me is the priority. It's all the other innocent people around the world. And I don't know, you know, um, I'm a big believer that when Joe Biden left all that equipment, uh, that American military-grade weaponry, when he withdrew from Afghanistan in the most in oh, in the most despicable and embarrassing and humiliating withdrawal ever, then all of this was put into motion. When he unfreezed six billion dollars for the Ayatollahs in a prisoner exchange, guess what happened? Disaster. Because if terrorism knows, if terrorists know that hostages mean money, 
There are going to be more hostages, and now there's 240 hostages. Serious times demand serious solutions. So once again, 45 squared equals 2025. Don't forget, after me is Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Pags and Lars Larson, and then the overnight guys. Then tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino. And then at 3 o'clock tomorrow, I'll be back. It's Friday. I'll be wrapping up this week. But I still have one more Thursday segment left, so don't touch that dial. And the more I look at some of these news stories, the more convinced I am that we're not getting, we're not getting accurate reporting anymore at all. There is absolutely no investigative journalism going on other than that which happens on Substack or on alternative um, news sources. I, I spoke on Monday about how Gal Gadot, and I think she was, uh, I forgot, she played some hit hero, some you know superhero. Um, I think it was Captain America or who knows, whatever it was. Um, she's an Israeli actress, an Israeli spokesperson, actually. And she decided to have a showing of a 43-minute film with extremely graphic and violent video footage that documented the atrocities that were committed by Hamas on October 7th. It's called Bearing Witness. So she was going to show it to people in Hollywood, <laughs> okay? So what ends up happening as she puts this all into place and this morning I wake up and there's all these videos on social media of a fight that took place outside the screening of this movie or this documentary, whatever you want to call it. I saw some footage from LA's uh, KABC TV, which shows groups clashing outside the city's, now get this, outside the city's Museum of Tolerance on Pico Boulevard. You can't make this stuff up. Officers from the LAPD were shown to be present during the skirmish which saw punches being exchanged and pepper spray used. She was apparently not among the estimated 200 people who were in attendance at the screening, where some of the guests were an IDF official, uh, the ambassador to the United Nations, the Israeli ambassador, and a bunch of Hollywood executives. And the film is about the Palestinian militant group Hamas's attack on Israel. And according to Israeli officials, it was pretty graphic, you know? And can you imagine? They didn't want anyone to see it. The, the, they didn't even actually announce where they were going to have this. And then when they finally did, they had to get an FBI advanced team to go there. On the night of the screening, there was a heavy police presence. They had officers stationed outside the theater on the surrounding streets, and they had a helicopter in the sky. So all the footage I saw on X, formerly Twitter, shows that while there were several people who arrived outside the venue to protest the film, there were many counter-protesters present as well. So this is where we are. This is where we are. Americans are fighting because they don't want other Americans to know just how awful what happened on October 7th was. 
You see, you can't shout free Palestine from the river to the sea when people realize what you did. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And make sure you're getting your news from the right sources. God bless you. God bless Israel. And God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.